So hi everyone and welcome back to uh, the Make It Musings podcast with your host Ben. Today I'm going to be diving into the the subject of uh, guns and gun control based on a an ongoing discussion actually that I'm having on Twitter which you're welcome to perhaps poke your nose at if you want and it concerns I suppose the the inability to act of, of certain corners uh, of American society regarding how they view guns and regarding gun control. Now, I'm obviously not American. I'm not going to pretend to understand all the ins and outs of guns or, for that matter, uh, the way in which they're perceived. I do think that and this, you know, this doesn't apply to every American, of course not, but there are those out there who see guns as almost as a symbol of worship, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, and the extent to which they do this perhaps blinds them to some obvious, some obvious facts. Uh, I apologise in advance, by the way, if I'm a bit sniffly during this video. I have hay fever. And despite taking various forms of medication for it, it's not really shifting. It's not as bad as it could be. If I wasn't taking medication, I would be far, far worse right now. But uh, as I say, I apologise. I'm a bit sniffly. If I sound a bit bunged up, it's because of because of hay fever, courtesy of this country's absolutely god-awful weather lately. So anyway, back to the subject of guns and gun control. So the the person I've been, I suppose, debating this with on Twitter operates under the idea, firstly, that the Constitution is infallible, uh, and secondly, where it talks about well-regulated militias, this basically means no regulations, that well-regulated equates to not regulated. Uh, and he also mentions how the Constitution talks about how, uh, you know, access to firearms will not be infringed uh, as well as it were as well so basically what he's saying is if you put regulations in place uh, in some way shape or form you're violating the constitution i suppose firstly the question needs to be asked uh, however good the constitution may be do we take it as infallible uh, is, is it something which we should see as being set in stone well, it's not seen that way by by America itself because it's been amended on more than one occasion uh, in order to reflect changing times and changing circumstances. So in that sense, it's clearly not infallible. And the idea that just because something is constitutional means it's right is possibly some flawed logic in itself. Uh, something can be unconstitutional, but perhaps actually be better than what's constitutional. Possibly. But that's an idea which, you know, and I'm not saying this applies to every American, of course, as I said before, but I think there are some Americans who can't see past the Constitution. They see that word and they can't see past it because they just see that as meaning good and anything else equaling bad. And we also need to stop and reflect, uh, not that my esteemed opponent on 
on Twitter was perhaps prepared to do this, but we need to uh, reflect for a second on when the Constitution was written and the type of firearms that were available. Now, this, this guy on Twitter already said that he believes that the Founding Fathers would actually be very happy uh, for civilians to have access to firearms like the AR-15 rifle, uh, and that they shouldn't have restrictions on that, and that this is what the Founding Fathers would want. However, the Founding Fathers could not possibly have begun to conceive of the modern weaponry that's available for civilian use today. How could they? The most common form of weapon during the American Revolution was a gun called the Brown Bess. And you can Google this. It's all out there. Uh, it had uh, an effective range of between 50 and 100 yards. And at best, it could fire five rounds per minute. At best. Whereas the AR-15 has an effective range of 600 yards uh, and a rate of fire, depending on circumstances, between 23 rounds and 45 rounds per minute. So there's a massive difference in the capabilities of that type of weapon, the type of weapon which is used almost routinely, it seems, in mass shootings and the types of weapons that the Founding Fathers would have been basing their ideas on. And there have also been big changes in perhaps the social, political and military standings back then to today as well. Uh, you know, Again, my, my opponent, shall we say, on Twitter argued there were plenty of reasons as to why... Uh, this idea is still kind of relevant. But one of the purposes behind the Constitution was that the idea was with an armed population who would be able to more easily resist uh, a tyrannical government, uh, shall we say. So if the US government decided uh, to become a dictatorship, especially back then, because there was relative parity uh, between the militia and, and the military, which were actually more or less won the same anyway, it would, the idea was that it would be more or less impossible uh, for the government to successfully crush the people uh, and put them into uh, servitude, as it were. Whereas these days, you have a massive difference in the capabilities of the US military and the average US citizen. And whatever you, whatever you might say about know armed citizens being able to stage insurgencies and that kind of thing equally they're not going to be effectively able to easily fight warplanes cruise missiles drones to say nothing of tanks and highly trained soldiers who are trained well beyond the reach of the average civilian it's not like back in the revolution when people would have had equivalent training and experience the situation has changed massively since then. And yes, you could perhaps stage, you know, an insurgency. The guy in question that I'm talking to used the example of Vietnam um, and, you know, how that kind of went. But Vietnam, the US lost that not because of a military disadvantage, but because of political will. 
uh, halfway around the world, we're talking about a situation where if, and I agree this is unlikely, but if the US government tomorrow decided we're going to abolish democracy, we're going to install Donald Trump as king, for example, or whatever, um, and if, if they had the backing of the military and the police, then with their resources, their equipment, their experience, uh, you know, the fact that it's their territory, as it were, as well, they're going to knuckle down and they're going to do uh, what they need to do to maintain power. So, and they're not going to care about the political will of the people in their own backyard because they're the very people they're trying to oppress, uh, as it were. So it's not like in the in the days of the revolution when trying to form a dictatorship would have been extremely difficult. It's not going to be like that now. So that kind of side of things for the Constitution and, and the purpose behind the Second Amendment has kind of waned a bit. Equally, if there's, uh, not and again, this is extremely unlikely, but if there was an invasion by a foreign power, again, equipped with modern military equipment, what's the average civilian going to be able to do? Uh, you know, are they going to be able to shoot down uh, you know, supersonic military jets or deal with gunships uh, or deal with highly trained troops? No, they're not. They might be able to make life difficult in some way, shape or form. But even then, it's not going to be like it would have been back, back in the 1700s, not by a long shot. But my esteemed opponent in these uh, discussions doesn't seem to think that. He seems to think that the presence of armed veterans would somehow, you know, still make things uh, sort of doable, shall we say, in terms of a fight. When common sense just tells you it's not going to actually make that much of a difference. So, why is there absolutely... I'd say, I'd say there's no will to try and change the situation uh, in America in terms of guns. There actually is a great deal of desire to change things. There are plenty of people, especially young people, who have had enough. Uh, there's quite a few who are deeply concerned about the attitude and policies uh, of, uh, for example, the NRA. The NRA, of course, being a powerful lobbying uh, institution and association regarding guns, which also coincidentally, of course, uh, makes a lot of money out of gun sales and offers a lot of support to uh, the Republican Party in America. And they're, of course, one of the loudest proponents of not changing gun control measures in America. Uh, because... Quite frankly, I believe they profit from the situation. You know, it keeps them in a position of importance. and They don't want to run the risk of changing that. Even though they are becoming increasingly unpopular. Because we have situations, and it's a recurring theme in America, but not elsewhere. We have situations where innocent people, including kids at school, they get gunned down on a regular basis by by people who have 
all too often been able to get hold of their weaponry entirely legally uh, because there are across the country inconsistent measures of uh, sort of background checks because the types of weapons which are available for civilian hands are extremely powerful uh, and because there seems to be no will to actually change this issue to do anything about it there's a saying doing the same thing over and over again but expecting a different outcome is the very definition of insanity and you know in this case doing nothing over and over again but somehow expecting this situation regarding shootings to get better it's insane and it's stupid and it's costing people their lives and yet we continue to have groups like the NRA who basically refuse point blank to do anything about this issue because like I said it comes down to the fact that they benefit from from it in a roundabout way they benefit from um, hysteria on this subject because they sell guns uh, they have political influence and they don't want to lose that so it's not about doing anything to actually protect the people it's about their pockets about their power and their privilege that's all it's about the other thing about uh, guns as well is when you do a little bit of digging what you'll learn is something like two-thirds of all US murders involve firearms in fact the rate of US murders is higher using only guns here forget the total rate using only guns the US rate of murders is higher than the total rates of countries like the UK Australia Canada Japan France and Germany in fact the US rate uh, homicide rate with only guns is higher than the combined total rates of several of those countries and yet people like my uh, my opponent shall we say on Twitter he insists that we need to find other very convoluted explanations for this problem uh, and blame it on stuff other than guns in particular uh, he keeps referring back to people people with mental health issues which is not fair on people with mental health issues because people with mental health problems exist all around the world and yet they don't go around carrying out mass shootings maybe because uh, you know there were better background checks in place in other countries uh, better regulations around the type of firearms better regulations about the type of ammo maybe that might be a factor in it of course I mean, to me it's the most obvious thing if you want to do something about gun crime then take a look first of all at how easy it is to get hold of a gun take a look about the rules and regulations regarding ongoing gun ownership in Germany there are a lot of guns uh, but there are restrictions on the type of firearms available how many someone can have and also uh, they're subject to ongoing checks in terms of how they maintain their guns, how they store them, uh, and evaluations of the actual people themselves to make sure they're still fit to own them.
And Germany, in terms of gun crime, is much, much safer than the US. You know, the, the, the homicide rate in Germany is much, much lower. Uh, if you looked at the rate of guns as well, far, far lower than it is in, in the USA. The flip side, I suppose, example would be Japan, which has very, very few guns whatsoever. Uh, their gun laws are among some of the most stringent and tightest on the record. And again, they have very, very little in the way of, of, of homicides, especially gun homicides. They're one of the safest countries in the world, Japan. So we have two different types of measures in place in these countries to tackle a problem. And they're working. You know, and it's not a case of saying, you know, shred the constitution and say, no, I'm going to have guns. But maybe taking a common sense view around things like, oh, does one person need to have 24 of these things like the Las Vegas shooter? You know, why didn't that perhaps flag as a warning sign to someone? It didn't. And Las Vegas shooter had 24 weapons. 24. Did he need that many? Does anyone need that many? And we're not talking about uh, my, my opponent on Twitter. He said, oh, well, you know, I collect guns. Um, but as he also mentioned, he collects some guns which go back to the 18th, no, 1800s. We're not talking about collecting um, different types of firearm for nostalgic purposes here. This guy had 24 modern weapons. Weapons which were fully capable, as it were, of, of taking life. And that's exactly what he did with them. And meanwhile, you know, nothing, nothing changes. The bottom line is, part of it is uh, a cultural thing, I think, uh, in America regarding guns. There is this love affair, this idea that they're a symbol of freedom. Personally, you know, not to perhaps be um, mocking of that notion, but I can't understand why you would need a deadly weapon as a symbol of freedom. Surely there are better symbols out there than a firearm. A firearm is designed to kill people. It's the sole purpose of a gun. From the ground up, it's designed to kill. And yet that's the symbol of freedom. Now, I just want to quote for a second here uh, some of the things going on on Twitter from the person that I'm having this discussion with. So, uh, this is uh, one of his tweets. And bearing in mind, this is one of the more recent ones. I appreciate this is perhaps a little bit uh, out of kilter for the conversation. So, he says, and I quote, There you go again, making false claims that only crazy people shoot people in the US. You have shootings in Europe. You have bombings, stabbings, rapes. Your attempt to isolate the US in violent crimes, including shootings, is complete BS. You are losing this argument and desperate. End quote. Except, um, none of that's actually been the argument that I've made. But unfortunately, this guy uh, is very rapidly lurching into a, a situation where he wants to be perhaps 
more dishonest than honest about his position and about how he's representing my position as well. He's basically setting up a straw man situation to attack an argument I didn't make. Uh, at no point uh, did I claim that you know, Europe is completely safe. At no point did I do that. At no point did I claim that there aren't shootings, there aren't stabbings, that there aren't other forms of violent crime. But, you know, these these shootings, they're far less here in Europe. And although we do get, you know, some situations with bombings and stabbings, these happen far less than mass shootings do in the USA. Far less. Violent crime happens in Europe. But then again, the presence of guns in America hasn't prevented violent crime. Uh, I think one of the things which I looked into... Uh, if you were got look at say for example uh, the the rape rate uh, in the USA compared to other countries, in it's better in the US than some countries, but it's worse as well than some countries. Uh, the same thing goes for things like robberies and burglaries, but the difference being is in the US in these situations, what is more likely is for someone to die. So the presence of guns in these situations, it doesn't necessarily make things safer because overall things are more or less the same, but it does mean that it's more likely for people to die. So as a deterrent, the gun is not doing its job in that regard. It's failing in that regard. Uh, and yet we're supposed to believe that it actually, you know, it's going to make things better. I mean, this, this, this guy on Twitter, basically his, his position, as I said, He's saying, you've either got to choose between this being 100% effective or not effective at all. Which, of course, isn't going to be the case. It never was going to be the case. Uh, it's, a, it's a false choice that he's creating. Now, basically, it's his, his situation is, it's got to be A, it stops all gun crime, or B, if it can't, we don't try it even though there's actually a third choice, option C, uh, which is that it reduces it by by a measurable percentage. Even if you reduced the rate of gun homicides by half, by introducing some better regulations around, you know, types of firearm perhaps, or better background checks, and consistent background checks, surely that's worthwhile doing. Now, if you could halve that, and that's a massive dent in the number of people being killed by guns every year. Surely that's worthwhile. But, of course, this guy, along with others, falls back onto the Constitution again. You know, infringing upon rights and that kind of thing. Uh, and hides behind it a little bit. Instead of actually suggesting that we do something to solve a problem. And you go around in circles again. And it comes back to this idea that the Constitution is somehow infallible, even though it's been amended before. So clearly it's not infallible. Otherwise, it would never need to be amended. So all in all, you know, we have plenty of examples, plenty of examples all around the world of different forms of gun control measures which which work. Uh, they don't prevent people necessarily from owning guns, but they do mean 
that more people are alive than being killed. But I think that requires a certain measure of common sense and a certain degree of political will, which is simply lacking in, uh, in US political institutions right now. It's my hope that my brothers and sisters across the pond, I know a lot of them do feel that the situation with guns is far too over the top and that there needs to be some kind of of meaningful change. But for those who seem to think that doing the same thing over and over again will somehow improve the situation, you just need to ask yourself why you're proceeding down the basis of insanity. Because it is insane. 